All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor. I have my co-host, Jaden. Yee! And former guest, Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And this is the long-awaited part three of our Midsummer Review. Dun, dun, dun. And we're going to do some uh, some foreshadowing uh, theories we have about this film, and then uh, our, our wrap-up on it. So I'm excited to... Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty stoked about to this get part. To this one, yeah. yeah. I think this is like where you like really like kind of... This is where we're going to figure out like what we get out of this film. Yeah, know? absolutely. So yeah, so we're ready to get started. Um, so yeah, let's get to the foreshadowing and the clues. Like we talked a lot in uh, Hereditary about how you can see the Coven's influence um, earlier in the film. Um, I, I want to talk about some of the stuff here because we've already mentioned obviously the picture on on their parents' nightstand with uh, Danny's flower crown. Um, I like the one where Danny blows out the Christian's candle on the uh, on the cake. She's like, I should be upset, but I'm not. And I love thinking about how like, yeah, I could. I could put this fire. I could save you from the fire this time, but no. But I'm not. But no. <laughs> so I wonder what what are the things did you guys uh, pick up on? Because obviously there's a lot of foreshadowing from Pele, um, uh, especially. I like um, the part where Pele is talking to Danny about like his parents had died in a fire. You know, he's I think he's trying to kind of connect with her because uh, you know he's clearly like into her. Um, I think that his parents died in the same ritual but that's what i'd assume too but but i have trouble like putting that timeline together because don't they say that this happens every 90 years i don't think so i don't know what the 90s years thing would be i honestly would just cut that because it doesn't make any sense i don't know what what the 90 years thing is because clearly we have uh, a may queen every year right clearly we have uh um people that get sacrificed at least maybe i mean the thing is is like i suppose at the stupa could happen like every every time someone gets to 72 maybe it's just the temple thing that is every 90 years i was thinking maybe it's a bear thing yeah or i don't really care but if it's the temple it's every 90 years then it wouldn't make sense that paley's parents died in it yeah yeah and yeah well no yeah yeah exactly because like unless they're like um they burn because they do they do burn the bodies after a stupa so maybe I, he could have been lying about that for I that reason. I, I like to think but, that yeah. like maybe think, yeah. his parents were they you know they volunteered or they were part of that sacrifice is what I think. That's uh, what I assume. Yeah, and so maybe that's like kind of his uh, motivation to be like you know I'm gonna go and like I'm gonna like win this time because like I lost my parents this way and he's like I'm gonna get the May Queen and that's why he's so like invested in Danny you know mm-hmm. so that's that's like a you know that's a bit of I guess foreshadowing that you could pick up on and be like oh you know he he, he was. His parents were a part of kind of this ritual, and now he's bringing himself to be, a, you know, kind of a new iteration of that ritual. So I like that part a lot. Uh, yeah, I think uh, everything works better if we just forget that they said anything about a 90-year-old feast. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a very big fan of the part when Josh says that, uh, like, he's like, why are all the, Mark is asking, like, why are all the women so attractive here? And Josh is like, well, Vikings used to kidnap all the most attractive women around the world and bring them here. Yeah. Which is, like, literally what Pele is doing. Yeah. Just which in is, a new age kind of way. Yeah. I do... That that thing frustrates me. It's like, yeah, because like not every culture in all of recorded human history was already doing that. Yeah, but like, Vikings but I think successful it's successful at it. Yeah, 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 they were. I mean, they were just as. But I mean, you would think that there would be some. Uh, they wouldn't all look the same. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but I, I do, do like that as a as a bit of foreshadowing. Like, yeah, I think Jaden, you said that in part one, how you would describe Pele's. You were like a new age Viking. Yeah, and I didn't know what you meant by that when we first when we recorded that episode yeah. but mm-hmm. i was like yeah i get it that makes total sense yeah though. he's just doing it in like a psycho- psychological way instead of like a physical way yeah yeah, yeah. not yeah. like picking him up throwing over his shoulder throwing him over his shoulder and, and taking him away yeah because no, that's kidnapping in america yeah, yeah exactly. instead of just murder her it's parents. frowned upon yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I like, there are a few lines of his that I actually find really fun. Uh, um, when he says to Christian, he's like, oh yeah, I think uh, all the Swedish women that you can impregnate in June. Yeah. Yeah. And which is literally what happens to him. Yeah, yeah, no, yep. you're exactly right. Um, uh, when uh, he's looking, he when uh, Christian says that they're, or well, someone says they're going to Sweden at the party, and Peda look, turns and looks directly at Danny. Yeah. There's the same thing on the plane. Like when she's coming down the aisle, Pella turns and looks over at her, whereas Christian doesn't. There's There's a lot going on with him and Danny that's like, I mean, you don't need to be like, a genius to pick it out but uh, like i said i think there's some parts where it's like ari aster's like really pay attention to this and then but which is why it's frustrating when he does things like that because mm-hmm. then he has like really good scenes with between like kind of paley and, and danny that if you're just watching you can pick up on and so yeah. it's like just do the do that all the time yeah and so I, that's why those those other th- scenes frustrate me is because we point out scenes like this where it's like look at how well he did this yeah well i think the whole commune does that with danny so there's so, this part where Siv just looks right at the camera right. after the suicide scene. And uh, I believe that that's from Danny's perspective of the camera is. And she's just staring at Danny. And I believe that like you can tell like early on when Danny gets her, like they're all paying a little bit more attention to her. And like, I feel like the commune like knows like, okay, this is good. This is, this is our gal right here. I sort of thought of that mm. part where she looks at the camera as a mistake, but if, yeah, if you can interpret it into something that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. I, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of fourth wall breaking when we change our perspective of who's behind it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Yeah, I love I love tricks like that. I don't think, I didn't I didn't really catch that. I didn't see that one, so. I just thought it was a goof, but yeah. hey, man. I think that's, anything you can do to make an interesting film more interesting, I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, yeah I, can, I think it's. I think there's everything, like you can look at like almost every scene in this movie and just like try and find something and. Which is what makes this a good movie to talk about and yeah. like revisit because yeah. it's like... Well, he clearly loaded those things. Yeah. It's not... We're not picking these things out of thin air. No. Like, it's also even, like, if you think of... It's it, it's a normal conversation, but you think of, like, when uh, Christian was, like, um, telling everyone that she, Danny was going to Sweden and she's like, and by the way, you all knew about it and you invited her. And Pella was like, yes, yeah. And he was the only one. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. It's a normal thing for people to say because they just want Christine to shut up. But the fact that it's only Pele that says that, right. I think when we when we look at it this way, like we start to see another layer of like, yeah, I, this is the plan. Yeah. yeah. This this film lends itself to that kind of deeper dive and trying to find more fun things in it. Whereas like we did a review on Vivarium. In that movie, it's like we are desperately trying to pull anything interesting out of that movie. Yeah, like we are making nothing. up, we are making yeah. up our own stuff to try and make that movie fun to watch. Yeah. And there is just nothing to it. This there is a ton to this movie. Yeah, and and being able to go through and pick and uh, pull your own interpretations from little scenes is what makes this movie like like a masterpiece. Whereas Vivarium is like an absolute slog to get through. Yeah, and I honestly think that, I think that if what I remember, our version of Vivarium was was a whole lot more compelling, but it's yeah. still like, but the thing is, it's like still so forgettable, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Like, because the, the base was so low yeah. that we couldn't make it that much better that it's interesting now. I think the fact that in an hour, like just three dudes talking together came up with a better version of Vivarium than what was released yeah. kind of kind of really is telling on how bad that movie actually is which is so sad because <laughs> it, it had so much yeah. promise it clearly yeah. had someone that was uh that understood um camera language well enough to tell a compelling story to compose good images uh to create nice mise-en-scene the settings were really great 
I just don't know how you can mess everything else up. Yeah, yeah. literally <laughs> everything else. You're so right. Um, do we have any more foreshadowing we want to cover? Well, maybe we want to get into uh, some, theories? Some, some theories here. Okay, I want to talk real quick about Danny and Pelly's names and what I think they might mean outside of the story. Okay. So like Danny, <clears throat> Danny means to be judged by God. That's like that's what her name means. And then her last name, Arter, means to be burned or to be set on fire. Huh. And so, um, and then Pele's name means stone. And Matthew seven twenty four. This is probably like reaching real deep into this, but I don't care. Um, Matthew seven twenty four states like if you build your house like on stone, like in your, as far as your faith for God, that your life will be better and all that stuff. So I think like her building her house on Pele instead of Christian is like her building it on stone, and she will be judged better by God instead of like the sandy ground. I think yeah. that's like what that other kind of more that yeah. passage yeah. talks about. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating that you say that because like. The a lot of people actually think that the burning of the temple is reminiscent of the church burnings that happened in uh, the early '90s in Norway because yeah. people were like, were sick of Christianity because of how they just came in and uh, destroyed their culture. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's funny that like that that Pele it might be the <laughs> have some uh, basis in, in <laughs> Christian. <laughs> That's awesome. And no, Jane, you said you think you're digging too deep. Like I just said, this movie lends itself to Yeah. Deep. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's why we do a part two, man. That's why we're <laughs> in part two. But so you have like a really so you so why do you think that uh Pele uh orchestrated everything to get Danny to um to Sweden? Um a like one big thing I think is the flower crown around the picture. Mm-hmm. I think that he put that there because he's like, You're my May Queen. Yeah. You're my queen. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, too many Game of Thrones references all the time. Uh, but I, that's obvious. Um, like To me, I think it's obvious. I, uh, when Danny states, when she calls Christian in the beginning of the movie and she's talking to about the emails that her sister has been sending her or the instant messages or whatever the fuck they are. And uh, she's, like, she's like, I know she sends weird ones or whatever. This one seems different. And she's like, it's not like the way she speaks. And like, it's very vague and strange, like what she wrote. I forget what it like. It's like all turning black or something like that. Yeah. Is her message. But and it's like when you know someone, black. you can tell when something's yeah. off. Yeah. And like, Christian's obviously is like trying to blow it off because he doesn't like want to fucking talk about her crazy sister anymore. He says it's like, it's just a, you know, like she's just seeking attention. Yeah. You know? um, and like, I just think it's weird that like she's like placed, it seems like she's like placed by the laptop and that uh, she's like covered in what looks like vomit. Um, I have this theory that the stuff that they spray, like blow in the Christian's mouth in the movie to paralyze him, that that's how they do that to her. Oh, okay. And like they, they actually vomit when they get when that stuff. Maybe, gets... yeah. And then they have the duct tape around her face for the hose and stuff. And then, uh, I mean, and then all the stuff that like is said, like as far as like Vikings kidnapping people, and like so that way when she gets there, like she has no home to return to, no family. There's nothing for her to go back to. It's like at the end of the day, like why wouldn't she just stay with Pele? I yeah. think it was all just kind of like a long driven thing to get her there and to keep her there. And another thing is like the way the commune acts towards her when she gets there is if they all knew and like, and clearly that they, they, that Pele had shown them all of that information. Yeah. Like they knew who everybody was coming there because he had sent them all of that information. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting too. Yeah. I, I think the only, the, the big problem I have with that is it seems like they're, I mean, I guess it's not never like stated, but it seems like they're like geographically, Danny is separate from her parents. So yeah. I guess the idea of like, so Pele went all the way to, which how would, I guess that means they must've been dead for a while because Pele's out having dinner with Christian and everyone. Yeah. When Christian gets the phone call that 
Danny's Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be Pele, but it could be people from the commune. Well, and oh, also, right. okay, yeah, okay. also when they were on the phone, like he, Christian had just done resin with Mark. Pele wasn't there yet. I guess that. So then, yeah, the timeline, we, I do not know how far away they live. And yeah, stuff. yeah, because it's the way it's, it's very, edited. I yeah. think it's clear that it's within the same city. Huh. At least, yeah. at least you can think of it as being a suburb of the same city. Yeah. So I don't think that these. I don't think that they're more than forty-five minutes apart from all of them. None of the characters are at any point. I think that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I I think you you had mentioned it when we did the part one, and I was like, whoa, like yeah, that never occurred to me. I I think it's interesting. I guess I just don't understand why. I mean, I guess you said because Danny wouldn't want to go home then because she has nothing yeah. to go home to. But I guess like you could get her out to Sweden without her family being killed, you know? I yeah. Think. So I guess like I, to, for that being like the catalyst to get her to go, like that's kind of the one part that I'm like, I don't track with. But I do like that idea a lot. I, and especially like uh, having the flowers on her picture. Yeah. Like, that would be like super creepy. Like they came into the house. They like, you know, they they, they set this, orchestrated yeah. this whole thing to get her Not out clean. there. It's very creepy. I, I like the idea a lot. You also brought up the hose that's in uh, Danny's sister's mouth. Yeah. So, you know, there's like that dream sequence later. It's like the only scene that takes place at night. Yeah. And Danny breathes out all that smoke. Because I think it's like exhaust from a car or something. Yeah. And, and, and so she's, it's kind of like the inverse of that. Like she's breathing all that exhaust out. I yeah. think that's a really cool, like if you, if you can piece those two together, I think that's a really cool, like kind of r- reverse imaging, you know? Yeah, it's neat. That scene's cool. I also love the idea too of, we mentioned in part one how she's always, um, her affect display for sadness and grief is clutching at her throat. She feels like she like she can't say anything. And I love to think that that's why, because she's choking on smoke, um, too. Like right. there's a, another layer of it. Like not only like can she not say anything to Christian because he'll hold uh he'll withhold his love, but it's also because like there's just all of this toxic stuff that she's kept down in her in uh within her body and won't let and won't release. Yeah, none of these takes are bad at all. Like everything is, just, it's it's so creepy, and there's just so much going on in this movie. I, yeah. it's, this is this is definitely one that like you go watch with your friends, and then because this movie is just so worth watching. I think it's it, these conversations are so good. Uh, yeah. Do we have any like I guess kind of so, like, uh, what do we take away from this film? Yeah, like what what is this movie? You know, I I I would love to hear your opinions on it. Um, I mean, it's a very excellent piece of art that just you know, drives you through this movie in a terrifying and like uncomfortable way. And like the uncomfortableness like makes you like, like once like puts you in the film almost like, I feel like as uncomfortable, like why don't they feel as uncomfortable as I do right now? Yeah. Like, this why, makes no sense. Yeah. Why is Christian just like, uh, it, and so, uh, who, uh, um, you know who washes the clothes? Yeah, I'm sure Connie and Simon are fine. Like you're an idiot. Yeah, like, he's a dipshit. I mean, after the suicide scene, like he literally doesn't care. Yeah, like he does not care. Yeah, he's just like, like I'm just trying to. Oh, be... just respect their culture. You know, yeah. like, those people just kill themselves in front of you. That's pretty wild, dude. I think when we watch this all together, Jane and I were the whole time we were like, leave, just leave. Yeah, all of us are like leave this place. Which I I wonder if maybe that explains why there's so many like outsiders that show up with Danny and everyone else. Yeah. And like they were just they were like us they were the smart ones they were like I'm leaving this sucks like, yeah. well nobody else was dressed like them though they were the only ones uh, Simon Connie Christian uh, Josh and Danny were the only ones not or I guess Ingmar and um, Pele as well were the only ones not dressed in the ceremonial frocks or anything they're they yeah. also the only ones at the table the Othala table before it 
I thought uh, they you guys was... talking about like when they when they first get there they take the mushrooms and there's all those people in the field. Is yeah, that... there's okay. all those people in the field and also when you walk yeah. through the sun. I'm imagining that there are multiple communes. That's well, kind of what I always thought. But there are also more people that walk into the commune when they get there. Yeah. That's that's what I don't understand. That there are clearly uh multiple people um with uh a person from the commune. So there are multiple people. There are more people that were brought there from outside than what were shown. I wonder if they're all actually part of the commune. It was just like a front. I just think you don't see them and maybe they maybe they just leave before you get to... Uh, maybe you just don't see them. That's I'll watch I think the director's cause... cut and let yeah. you know if Thank there's you. something there. Because <laughs> I do remember there being a lot more people just kind of in, you know, casually dressed. And so where did they all go? I like to think that they just were like, oh, I'm getting the hell out of here. This sucks. Like, or they were murdered way sooner. Or, or yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, how? what else are they supposed to eat? Yeah, you're right. So. <laughs> uh, when I watch this, I think a lot about, a, and Ari Aster says it in an interview, so it's not like I have some like profound take on this. This absolutely feels like a like a breakup movie to me. Yeah. Like, like just this, because uh, I don't think that the ending is, it's not happy. Uh, even though you kind of see Danny with like, which is so weird. Danny is like so drugged out at the end of this movie that it's almost like she's barely in it, which I don't really love. I think it's the kind of not the best use of Florence Pugh in this where she's just kind of very malaise the whole time until like kind of the very end when she gets that little grin on her face, you know, seeing the that temple burn down. And so I, again, I don't like to think of this as like her happy ending, but I do like to think of it as like the conclusion of like this like cathartic experience where she's like finally come out on the other end. Like she's, it only goes up from there. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not like a, a joyful ending, but it's like, hey, she hit this point and, and, and now she's going to, the uptick is going to start in her life. I guess kind of like Jaden said, maybe she just stays there. She's like, I got nothing else to do. I'll, yeah. just, I'll just stay. And so maybe that's part of her being kind of assimilated in this culture. And, and like you said, with that rune, it's like she's inherited these rituals now. And so she's just going to be a part of it. So, well, think, no, like hers was injustice, uh, death, hopelessness. No, but I mean, it's like, you mentioned the Othala the Othala yeah. one, yeah. I was just referring to the rune. Well, she has her own <laughs> particular ones. Yeah, that's why. And I actually think that. So it's when when you guys talk about being cathartic and like, oh, that she's starting a new life over. I actually think this movie is is a cautionary tale about what it means to heal from bad relationships. Like, if we don't take the time to individuate to be comfortable in our skin, then we'll go through our lives looking for something that fills that void of abuse. We'll latch on to anything that makes us feel loved, that makes us feel seen, that gives us purpose. And I think you can see this happen in in religion, in politics, in the search for new boyfriends or girlfriends. We'll, we'll compromise ourselves and our values just to feel held. Like, this movie... Does Christian ever hold you? Yeah. Do you feel held by Christian? Exactly. And I think like this movie hits like a really, a really personal note for me because like I, I had, was in uh, an abusive relationship for a long time. I didn't realize it. Um, And I really identify with Danny because like that, that scene where they're all crying um, and just screaming. Oh boy. I, I well up and like I'm, I'm on the verge of sobbing because like it's, I uh, like you want someone to see you in pain to experience your pain with you like it's you can all of the pretense of your uh, all the pretense of this context is bizarre and it doesn't make any sense and it's implausible but the emotion of it is so heavy to me because because it's the same like I I display like I've mentioned before like like I display grief and sadness the same way I clutch my throat I feel I feel that tightness there because I want to say something I need to say something and 
she finally lets it out and everyone just consoles her there it's just unfortunate that the 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 here that it's you know a murder murderous cult that decides to do it but i think if you take <laughs> it in a vacuum that is I don't know how to describe that scene because it's nothing I've ever seen in, in, in film before. It's nothing that I've really like feel like I've ever experienced even, but it's something that's put on screen. Like again, we talk about like um, exercises and empathy. So you may not have ever been through an abusive relationship, but like the, here's like the essence of it right here. Right. So that, that, that this movie is very powerful to me in that respect. Right. Right. And I mean, I know Connor, you, really resonate with hereditary more because of the family drama aspect. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think we had talked about that before. Uh, it, Cause this movie means a lot more to you two than it does to me. Like that's why, that's why I was like joking. Around. I was like, you guys are going to do your own show on just midsummer. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and you guys watch this. Like uh, the more I watch this, the more I was like, ah, maybe I should like kind of separate myself from this. That way I can keep enjoying it. But it seems like the more you guys watch it, the more you connect with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, especially just Danny as a character. Like I said, I'm very like empathetic towards her. And I've been in a similar situation as you, and as far as relationship goes, and yeah, it sucks. And this is very telling towards that, like the way you act when you feel so vulnerable and like not, you know, not wanted. Like you feel like, okay, I got to get what I can. So that's why I'll, I'll let you treat me like shit as long as you keep me around. And yeah. Like, that's a horrible thing, but I've done that. And yeah. It's, it, well, then yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, that breaks my dude, heart. Dude, don't, no, don't go, don't go, don't. I'm like, this fuck this scene dude. i love seeing you guys gush about this because it, yeah. it is i think i think it's like i don't know that's not a gushing <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but i think that's that's part of what makes like film so valuable like uh, culturally and, and socially it's like the way you can it, sometimes maybe i don't feel like i can express myself to people around me or uh, in a certain way but it's like i can identify with a character and like that's enough for me to like kind of get you through something you know it, yeah it, having that connection and being like oh you know like identifying with someone else in that way i think like film and like storytelling in general is like so powerful in that way and that's why i think it's cool like having you guys because because again i don't connect with this movie in that way at least not to like the degree you guys do yeah and so to like see you guys be like uh, kind of get emotional and like really connected with it i think that's what makes that's why i wanted to do this podcast that's why i wanted to talk about movies because i think there are really great ones out there that you can just feel like wow like this means so much to me and even though i don't know florence Pugh, i don't know tony collette but like these characters on screen, I'm like, wow, they, I, there's so much to get out of. Yeah, and I think it's really important. It's I think it's like film matters, man. It's it really does. great. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to talk about these ones so much, uh, in particular, in particular because you have an amazing emotional depth. But like, so you have all of the the great filmmaking techniques. Like these are pieces. These are pieces of cinema. But then you also have this amazing display of like. Someone could go into this movie not having, not being a mother, not being a brother or a father or in an abusive relationship and sit with these characters and get a a piece of what it's like to experience these emotions, to put yourself in someone else's shoes and like, wow, this, this in if you take out all of the, the supernatural weird stuff or the, the, the cult stuff, um, there, there's humanists there for you to to try and identify with and i think that's why these films are so important to me absolutely yeah. no you're you nailed hit the nail on the head yeah, absolutely. um i have a kind of a funny story so um my younger sister uh she got a hold of me like maybe a year ago she's like have you seen midsummer i was like no it's been on my list for a while she's like oh my gosh I just watched it she watched it with her husband and her husband's parents and then he has two younger brothers who are like 
like freshman and sophomore in high school. And they just thought it was going to be like a horror movie. Like they just thought they were just, you know, just some, some jump scare movie. And they were like, my sister's sitting there with all of her in-laws watching this creepy sex scene. And she's like, it is the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my whole life. And it was like, I was like, this is incredible. I was like, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to see that. It must have just been the most awkward yeah, thing ever. Yeah, it's way weird. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh, man. I, I just think that's an incredible story. Like, because I, I knew enough about Midsummer to be like, I need to be feeling right in order to put this movie on. And the fact that they just threw it on, they're like, yeah, we'll watch it with like his brother's like 13 and 14. Yeah. And they're like, this is so not the right movie. <laughs> and then to watch it with like your parents, it's like, oh, freshman my God. Freshman year in, in high school, that would be like, like 14, 15, right? Yeah, that would have been like, I was 15 when I was, I was a little bit old, I guess. So 14. Yeah, I was 14. Yeah. yeah but least. I just think it's, it was just the funniest story I'd ever heard. I was like, don't, I was like, what are you thinking? Like, don't watch that with them. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like one of the best stories I have. Um, yeah, I think with that, are we, we going to give scores on this one? Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Maybe. What did we, uh, doing pube pies? What are we doing here? Pube pies. I, no, I, why don't we do period wines? I think we go back to one of our classic. How many pews do you give this one? Oh, how many floors do you use this yeah. get? Call back to when nobody listened to us. Um, yeah. I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite films, if not my favorite film that I've seen, um, I think this is really the embarkment of my journey towards like liking better films and stuff like that is this movie. Um, I connect with Danny a lot on personal levels. Uh, super easy to empathize with her. Um, we've talked about movies that we have to chew on before. Right. This movie, like I look at it as like a giant juicy steak that I think I'm going to have to chew on and then it just melts in my mouth. Oh, and it's... everything is so easy to consume in this movie. And it's very, it's easy to become in like, like become part of it like like i i'm part of this journey with these guys and like they're stupid <laughs> and yeah all kinds of stuff and like i just it's this movie to me is just like very it was a great introduction to like the better side of film for sure um yeah. so i'll give this a 9.8 pews oh nice um which i'm hoping is my highest rated one if it's not it should be i know up i gave like 14 million balloons or something like that's that. that's kind of weird math, uh, the math is working yeah. against you cuz what <laughs> didn't we work that out to how many balloons it would take or how many balloons were lifted yeah. in the house and then yeah. we did like uh, our score based on that was a really <laughs> yeah. odd and and you were like i'd pop four balloons <laughs> <laughs> and i like i had to go back and like i had a whole function in the session <laughs> <laughs> uh i, I Again, I really like this film a lot. I think uh, Ari Aster, the way he composes shots, I just don't think there's anyone doing it any better. Uh, and and I, like, we did a whole series on Denis Villeneuve, and I love the way he puts his shots together. But as far as just something that I can just sit back and just like really enjoy, I I think that you could, because this movie doesn't even have a lot of dialogue in it, especially like I think the last half hour has almost none. No, almost none. Yeah. And it's which just, is like my favorite part. Of yeah, the movie. a directorial staple. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, and that's that's what I think is so wow, great yeah. about uh, what he does. Is like I don't even care if someone's talking. I think there's enough being given to me in what I'm seeing, and I get to linger on all this stuff for so long that I think you can understand a lot about the film without it being told to you. Um, and so that's why I love I love his movies. And, and uh, like I said, I can't wait for what else he like the other stuff he comes out with. Uh, but yeah, I put this uh, this like an eight for me. This absolutely rock solid. And uh, while I did say it's like I probably need a break from it for a while, yeah. Uh, but I mean, this movie will never be bad to me. It'll no, yeah, never get worse. Movie, like, yeah. This is it's, and especially after talking about this, I'm like, okay, well now I need to, I need to get my uh, my Rosetta Stone of, of runes out and yeah. translate <laughs> my way through this. Uh, there's just so much stuff I missed. I, I'm realizing now, and I, I thought I went through with a, a pretty fine tooth comb, and I, to, to realize like there's still more to this, more to digest, more to chew on. Like Jaden mm-hmm. said, I, I think it's great. 
Yeah. And these are films that I suggest that this is a good place to start for your film journey, like especially Hereditary, because I think there are fewer problems. It's also it's also shorter. I think Hereditary is a better movie overall um, in terms of concept and execution, um, aesthetic overall. But I, I do like Midsummer better. But I love how we've we've told a, an extremely compelling narrative story with a lot of high minded cinema techniques. Um, he understands the language of, of his camera. He's created, um, he uses other artistic modes to support his ideas. And I, th- I th- just think it's, it's, it's amazing. I can't wait to see more of what he's doing. I can't wait to see more of what Eggers is doing as well. But I do feel like there's a little bit more to connect with in terms of um, Ari Aster's films because they're more based on like, family human stories so it's honestly it's a 9.7 for me and it's just it's just because like is it the best film that i've ever seen no is it my highest rated one now yes um other than the fountain but that's like a cheap score because that one just affected my filmmaking so much but i just there's just so much to connect with here that it, it it's like it makes me feel heard seeing someone else on screen get heard absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah that's it's, a good that's a good way to put that galvin all right uh i'm glad we're i'm glad we did this one uh, but i think we're we're wrapping up now i can't wait to do a part three <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we mentioned yellows and blues we never yeah. talked about I'm actually I'm, I'm editing this to a to a three-parter so <laughs> so you're just fine so yeah thanks for wrapping up part three with us uh i'm your host connor i got my co-host Jaden, and uh former guest calvin thanks for having me back all right thank you for listening to now this is podcasting